Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Dr. Steve Day. He is the CEO and founder of Systems and Outsourcing. The name says it all. I actually bumped into Steve in the online world with his Facebook page, which is also called Systems and Outsourcing. Steve has a really interesting career, actually. He's done a wide range of things uh, in the business world, uh, tech, computers. He's also a medical doctor, having worked in accident and emergency. And now his systems and outsourcing company is his big shtick. So, you know, really interesting when people have such a sort of diverse career, I think. And he's obviously got a wealth of experience to draw on with his systems and outsourcing methodology. So, It's an interesting conversation. It is where the outsourcing and systems and processes worlds all merge together. Uh, And of course, there's no better person to describe it than Steve, so I'll let him do that. But I had a really interesting conversation and it's great to see his viewpoint on globalized employment and how to get the best out of your staff, how to delegate efficiently, and also his uh, view on the virtual assistant world. So I really enjoyed my conversation with Steve. There's also a link for a giveaway at the end, so make sure you stay tuned for that. And as always, if you want any of the show notes or any of the links, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, If you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Dr. Steve Day, welcome to the show. Today, I'm super excited to be talking about systems and outsourcing. So, Steve, what can you tell us about systems and outsourcing? Hi, Derek. Absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Yeah, so um, 
I guess it's probably easier to tell you how I started the company and that will sort of probably explain why I'm in the world of systems and outsourcing, um, having previously been a doctor and uh, how I've ended up talking to you on this show. Um, so I, as I mentioned, used to work in medicine and about five years ago, I immigrated to Sweden with my wife. And at the time, I decided to to not continue with that career and try to figure out how I could run my business. I had a property business as well, I still do. How I could run that remotely from from the other side of the the uh, English Channel, not the English Channel, sorry, the uh, the North Sea, and um, without having to fly back fifty percent of the time, which is what I was doing in the first sort of twelve months, and um, being figuring out how to do that, how to work remotely, how to leverage the global workforce, how to get other people to to do my work for me without me having to be there looking over their shoulder the whole time. Um, and figuring all that stuff out and creating systems around everything I, I do in my own business, I realized I'd stumbled across something that was quite powerful and quite useful for other people. And especially when I was speaking to people in networking meetings, and they were always always wanting me to, to help them out with their businesses and to help them to achieve the same sort of lifestyle that I'd managed to do. And that led me on a path to now do something I'm absolutely passionate about. And I've I, had a, I did a degree in computing 20 odd years ago, and so I've always had a, a, an interest in technology and um, in later years in things like automation and um, all the, the fun things that you can play with, with apps these days. And so um, in, in doing this, in emigrating and finding the solution and getting involved really in, the, in the, the figuring out how to get everything to fit together and to work and to, and to create this business, I've sort of created myself my dream job. So um, yeah, that's my very short backstory about how I, how I ended up talking to you on the show today. Well done. And of course, you uh, came across my, uh, you know, I found you by the Facebook group that you run, which is Systems and Outsourcing, uh, which is also the name of your business. And you're pretty active on that platform. We can get all of the links at the end, but I encourage anyone to sort of check that out. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of fascinating. You left medicine. Now, I don't want to typecast, of course, but most doctors, they're very, I would assume they're very sort of logical. They are obviously good, you know, with a lot of information and, and building processes and protocols, but many aren't necessarily entrepreneurially or business-minded. Um, have you always sort of dabbled across a, a lot of different domains? Yeah, I mean, I've actually started my first ever business when I was about nine years old. I mean, if you could call it a business, but that idea of creating something and selling it is something that I've always, it's been my single long, longest lasting um, ambition or longest lasting thing that I've ever had had a passion for. And um, I went on to, in high school, I started other small businesses, uh, building computers and selling stuff and wheeling and dealing generally. And then I bought my first property, investment property when I was uh, 22 and then built up a quite a, a substantial portfolio fairly quickly. And then I had other business, had a recruitment company for a number of years. I also had a photographic studio when I lived in Australia. Um, many of those things didn't didn't actually work out so well and uh, actually went quite badly in many cases, but you learn from your mistakes. And um, and it's actually through those failures that I ended up feeling that I wasn't cut out to be a business person at the age of 27. And that's when I decided to to change track and go into medicine. But I think, you know, once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur. And although I loved so many parts of being a doctor and it was a very rewarding career, um, I also felt incredibly trapped and desperately wanted to get back to the world of business and used to spend my evenings 
but either either systemizing my property business um, so I could run that alongside my career or thinking up new business ideas. And so when we, as I said before, when we emigrated to Sweden, it was that sort of make or break. I was going to have to learn to be a doctor in a new language or go back to the one thing I truly always wanted to do. And, and thankfully, I did that because I absolutely love what I do now and um, and feel uh, yeah really satisfied with you know my life and and what we're managing to do and how we can help other people transform their lives and I think one of the things when I left medicine I was actually quite worried like is I used to work in accident and emergency and so you you see people in their some of their darkest moments and if you did a good job and you were empathetic and you cared then you could re- make a huge difference on people's lives and and that you know coming home from that it was an incredibly satisfying um, position to be in a satisfying job and a rewarding job. And I was worried leaving that, that I would never find anything that could give me that, that level of um, uh, a feeling or that level of satisfaction again. And, and the amazing thing is that what we do now is and the difference we can make in people's lives by just, you know, most, most business owners work themselves half to death. And I've been there and I've done that. I did that for 15 years. So I know what that's like. And mm-hmm. you're holding on to too much. It's difficult to delegate, difficult to manage. You, um, by nature, I'm a bit of a micromanager, I'm a bit of a control freak. So I like to know what's going on in every part of my business, you know, and, and that can be very draining and tiring. And that's the story I hear time and time again when I speak to um, our clients. And so when I now give people the tools and the knowledge and the power to be able to, to actually change that, to change the way of their thinking, but also the way of their working so they can actually have their lives back. And, and we have amazing stories of clients you know going on George is a guy him on my podcast I'm a podcast systemize your success um if you're interested and on there's a, a great interview I did with a guy called George he's one of our clients and he went from working for 50 hours a week um you know week in week out um to now working about 10 hours a week and then took 18 days off um early this year with his family and sort of reconnected with his with his kids and stuff and like to be a part of that and have helped that is just you know an awesome thing so I think that, that's, that's made me realize that I've done the right thing because uh, I can get the same level of satisfaction because I now do something that I'm passionate about. Well done, well done. I'm really interested in this, you know, I'm kind of hardcore outsourcing BPO and I suppose deep into the industry. And I'm really intrigued by this aspect of the industry, which is sort of the convergence of process efficiency and um, productivity and then, of course, the sort of business process operations, which is the outsourcing, and then also the leveraging of the international workforce, which is kind of like the virtual aspect of it. And I suppose the, the kind of OG of this whole concept was Tim Ferriss to a degree, and he's done an incredible amount for shining the light on the opportunity for the Philippine workforce and the global workforce. Um, but I'm, I'm sort of intrigued how, you know, it's almost the convergence of these quite disparate uh, disciplines or concepts of sort of international staff and then also productivity and processes, how they sort of they've combined together to create this kind of subsector, I suppose, which is this um, productivity and outsourcing. Did you, were you, uh, were you quite inspired by Tim Ferriss and was that a major kind of book that um, influenced you back in the day? Um, in fact, it was, yeah. Actually, I regularly talk about that in when I do webinars and, and talks about what we do and and before I read um for our work week I hadn't really heard or even had any awareness of the ability for small businesses 
um, to actually leverage global workforce. I knew obviously big companies did it, you, you know, the, back in the 90s when everyone shipped their customer service off to wherever else in the world and uh, and some of the problems that that, that, that caused for, for consumers. So that was really my only understanding of it. And he really opened my eyes and I dabbled with a few assistants. I, I hired somebody through an agency and then I had a few people from different countries in the world and with some success, but more failures than not. And I think the big challenge that people have as well is now there is this big awareness of this availability of, of relatively affordable um, workforce who are actually educated, motivated, you know, really loyal people that people go out and they say, oh, I'll just hire myself a worker and that'll be the end of it. You know, that's brilliant. You just get a virtual assistant and they'll solve all my problems. And I always say, yeah, finding somebody to work is, is not really the issue. And whether you've got like a fully systemized recruitment system like we do, or you just go on to something like Upwork, you can, if you know, with a bit of time put into it, you know, you don't need anything complicated. You can just find somebody that's half decent, look at some reviews. But then when they arrive on day one or, you know, day 20 or whatever it is, you've got to A, be able to delegate work to them in a way that they understand what you want and that they deliver exactly the what you what you want at a level that you're happy with and you can sign that off as being your own you know your you can put your name to that because it's your business and to be able to do that consistently and without you having to micromanage them and be involved um too much because working on different time zones is often many hours of the day when you're not even able to contact that person you might be asleep and so you've got to trust in your systems and your processes to empower your staff to be able to work efficiently and so that's really what really started me on this journey. I've got, as I said before, background in computing. So systems, I did I did systems analysis and design as one of my majors. That sort of aspect of it has always been a part of what I do in my business. And you know, I used to spend hours writing checklists and operation, uh, writing documents and operation manuals out. And the problem is it took me so long to create these things that I end up thinking often it would be quicker, easier, and cheaper just to do this stuff myself. And I think the big turning point for me was when I, I brought in a lot of the skills that I learned in medicine about management, about training, about how we learn to do a lot of the practical stuff in medicine using video and demonstration. And together with my my experience and my knowledge of computing and apps and software and uh, and and uh, uh, systems analysis and design, bringing all those things together and figuring out a way to actually quickly get stuff out of my head and down in a way that other people can use that without A, it taking me hours to put it together, and B, without them coming back with a bunch of questions. And in the early days, I remember working in different time zones, you go to bed, you know, fast and work over across, you know, can you do this task, this task? And then in the morning you wake up and there'd just be this message saying, oh, you forgot to give me the, the access or I didn't have the password or I didn't have the whatever mm-hmm. it is. And it's just wasted time for everybody and so frustrating. And it was all those making all those hundreds of mistakes in the early days. And, you know, we've outsourced tens of thousands of hours of work for, um, um, now to, to all over the world. And it's all it's through going through that iterative process of improvement, but also keeping the or continually to uh, continually updating how we work in a remote sense. And that has been the prime focus because that's what we help other people do. Their entire business is our, my entire life is spent thinking about how to improve that, which has allowed us to do it much more rapidly. I think than most companies can because they've also got to you know do whatever it is whatever else they do in their company. Whereas we've been able to do this really rapidly and really effectively because this is all we as a company think about. So, um, yeah. And we were talking before the show, 
saying that, you know, there's a need for this up and down the chain, you know, right to enterprise level or, you know, medium and big businesses. On the surface, it sounds like pretty fundamental stuff in terms of how to how to organize yourself and then how to sort of structurally delegate to others and manage work and workflows and projects and processes. It sounds pretty fundamental. And maybe, you know, I can imagine that people that haven't employed someone before needs a hand with this. But, you know, as we mentioned, it it actually can kind of equally apply to mid and large size businesses. Do you think it's just something that people don't really focus on enough? It's so critical, but the whole world just kind of bumbles along without too much sort of conscious uh, structure? Yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting point. I mean, I was we, we were chatting before and I was explaining my wife works for you know, a big um, accountancy firm. She's an auditor. And a lot of their work is looking at business processes, how well are things documented. It's not just about having a manual that sits on a shelf getting dusty. and It's about having a plan, a map for your business. So how all the different parts of your business, whether it's apps or people or departments or systems, how do they all integrate together into uh, and, and, and getting that down in a way that somebody can actually look at it and go, okay, now I get how it all works. Because, you know, especially when you are a, um, a slightly larger company, you end up getting really complex really quite quickly. And so if you're not careful, you can end up in a situation where you've got these silos of knowledge with, uh, without a plan showing uh, someone looking over how this is all fit together. So it's really reliant on individuals and individuals passing knowledge from one to each other and or having really good management who you know, may spend weeks getting to grips with what's going on in the business as a whole. And if you can fast track those processes of getting people up to speed, so that onboarding process, having a fully automated systemized onboarding process so people are set up correctly and then trained up rapidly without taking away the time from your senior managers or you know your, yourself if you're you know if you're still in that position in your company if you've got all that in place it means that people can become productive and valuable members of the team much more quickly and that's relevant to any size business if you're you know just starting out and you've, you're hiring your first few employees or you know you're you know hiring your 500th employee the faster you can do that stuff and the more streamlined that is then the, the cost savings are huge when you think about the time taken for training and for supervision and all that sort of stuff. So they're not saying you can uh, get rid of that completely, but you can actually reduce that the, the burden on the actual people because you can rely on having brilliant systems to actually help in that process massively. And that's, that's a lot of what we, we do. It's, about, it's not just about, oh, here, delegate this task effectively. Yeah, it starts with that because if you can't do that, if you can't delegate one task effectively... What's the chances of you being able to delegate, you know, an, an entire complex, multi-step, multi-person, multi-platform system effectively? Mm-hmm. So you start with the simple stuff. Whether we, whether you're, you know, we typically work with um, uh, companies up to about fifty employees, and and some of the, the bigger companies for us, that sort of size, when there are over twenty employees, they're the ones that see the biggest, the quickest benefits because they often are in a situation where they're just so reliant on people and the knowledge in their heads, and they're just at real risk that if someone leaves and COVID was a big, big wake up call, I think for a lot of businesses that you know suddenly all those people and all that knowledge was just gone. And yeah, they may be coming back at some point, but in the meantime, the business has got to keep going. 
And because that what that knowledge hadn't been documented effectively, hadn't been put down in a way that was usable by other people without hands-on training, it meant a lot of businesses really ground down to a halt. And so that's what we've seen as one of the, not really hidden benefits, is one of the things I talk about a lot, but it's been really become apparent and relevant to people recent in, in more recent times. So um, yeah, that's I think it's massively relevant. It doesn't matter what size you are, unless you are super, you know, that's your focus in your business to make it super, super scalable. And you're at that stage now where you're sort of that franchise model a mindset, then fair enough, you, you might well have a lot of this in place. But a lot of companies are just in a, in a way winging it when, it when it comes to their systems and process. And it is just all about the people. So that's risky. Yeah, I find that I find that also, you know, when clients begin their outsourcing journey and they start to bring stuff overseas like firstly you know they think they're bringing stuff to the developing world which they are in some respect but they they think that they're going to be you know overly sophisticated and then they come to the industry and realize that actually the industry is 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 all about business process optimization you know and they have now specialized in it for the last three decades and I think sort of the average Western business gets a bit of a shock of surprise because they realize they are the ones that don't often have enough structure. And I think it's almost like a default badge of honor for small and growing businesses in the West that they are young and innovative and agile and don't have a lot of structure and they expect their staff to be um, you know, using their initiative. But actually, it's it's probably just a, a sort of defense mechanism for saying, look, we're actually a little bit immature and haven't really structured our processes yet, haven't really documented things. You know what I mean? And it's almost like a kind of defense, defensive position. And then when people outsource, they realize actually you need to get things written down. You need kind of processes in place. You need some mapping. And that then helps the business mature you know they, they start to get more mature in their processes uh in their sort of sophistication of um or i suppose kind of conscious awareness of their processes and then once you have that that's when you can sort of start to optimize it's fascinating isn't it and i suppose it's chicken or egg you know they can start with the chicken or the egg um but it, it's interesting how this maturation process helps the people progress yeah definitely um and I think that's that's a question I get asked so much. It's like, when is the right time to start systemizing your business? And for me, if I could rewind and go back to my early days, you know, 20 odd years ago, it would have been day one. And it's easy for me to say maybe because, you know, of what I do now, but God, you know, five years ago, okay, I had some systems in my business, but I've never worked with anybody else. I was a total one-man band. And so going from that to where I am now, has, has only been possible because of combining that that idea of it's not just about creating a document of what you do, it's creating a usable document that people can actually use. And I think that if if one of the, you, know, you look at books like um, The Myth by Michael Gerber, I mean he 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 maps out a very strategic, high level view of of exactly what we do. Um, but the problem is, and what most businesses face, especially when they're smaller, which is I think why. As you've alluded to, they they don't do it. They end up winging it, or you know, like you say, it can be a, a bit of a defence for them just not having it in place, and and they say, oh no, it's because we don't want it. But the reality is, doing that actually takes a huge amount of time using you know traditional 
sort of outdated methods of of literally writing down instructions and you know creating long-winded checklists and 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 all that sort of stuff and and on the whole when you speak to business that have that the companies the people rarely use them mm. and because they are just outdated they're not they're not kept current and so when things change they do all the time unless you've got a living breathing way of actually um keeping the process that you're you're using each day up to date then they become obsolete they've actually become a hindrance because now you've got something documented which is actually wrong or it's outdated and therefore if someone was to follow that that it could actually damage the business because people progress things without keeping things updated i think that's one of the big challenges businesses have it's it's just finding the time to figure out well, how do i do this quickly how do i make it into something usable how do and i that is the downside them? i suppose isn't it you know yeah. whether it's a like it, they're not it's it's uh, resource intensive to build systems and processes it's also resource intensive to maintain them uh, and it's not always intuitive to lean on them you know once people know their whatever processes then they don't refer back to the the protocols uh, and then they're on their own but then those protocols they start to gather cobwebs it costs a lot um, and also you know the more you have and I suppose the more detailed you go with them then it risks you know you have a hundred page manual and it's just all a little bit daunting so it sits on the shelf is there and and also if you are a highly I suppose, high growth or highly agile or you're still sort of figuring out your product market fit and you're quickly evolving, um, are they appropriate? So I suppose in short, you know, are they appropriate to every situation and is there a limit to how far you should take them before there's a, um, uh, you know, like a, de- what's it called, a depreciating return basically? Yeah, um, again, good question. I think there is definite value in getting your core recurring processes documented as early as possible. And whether some parts of your business are still rapidly evolving and therefore sort of capturing any one particular system or process is challenging. But actually, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in business that is repetitive. Um, simple things like, um, I don't know, how you want your website updated or how invoices are paid or how you deal with incoming emails, how you answer the phone, all these core things that actually, if you can get those core processes out the way, mapped out in a usable way, and we use a lot of video in our in operation manuals, we call it an operation manual, but really it's a collection of videos that are just well structured together. And those videos are recorded in such a way that we capture very quickly all of the core information needed and then create a very simple cover sheet that's easy to use and and it's that rapid creation and then which makes them also easy to update and so we allow we can then very with with very small companies with very uh, with without resources to have teams or people um, dedicated to looking at this sort of stuff they get their existing staff to actually start looking at okay well what am i doing today which bits am i actually doing on a recurring basis which bits are taking me time and if they then get those bits documented and those can then be outsourced to wherever else in the world or to a you lower the by lowering the bar to entry because you've got good documentation, then whether you're outsourcing to the Philippines or just to someone you know locally wherever you happen to live in the world, 
um, or any other country for that matter. But you can lower the bar to entry with regards to the experience needed for someone to come in. So it makes it easier to replace people. It makes it easier to fill voids when you promote people. It makes it easier when people go away, whether it's on um, short-term or long-term leave or if they actually leave the company. And it reduces costs massively. So when you present it like that to people, then you can see well, actually really quickly, even if I've only got, say, if it's you or you and one other person, if you're starting like that sort of like tiny, tiny sort of that business size, the quicker you can stop doing stuff and anyone who's sort of keen your business can stop doing anything that you can get done cheaper, it's actually cost saving because you can then focus on the highest income generating work. You can go out and you know create projects and uh, JV partnerships or make sales or whatever it is you do to make money. You can do that because you've saved a few hours like here and there. And, you know, a statistic I always throw out there when I'm doing my presentations is about you don't need to save a lot of time to make a huge difference, an impact on your business. So if you save, you know, 10 minutes a day, when you add that up over the course of a, of a week, it's 50 minutes a week. And it's, um, you know, over the course of a year, you add it up, and it's like 40 hours of work of, a, of, of time over a typical working year from just saving 10 minutes each day. And extrapolate that to an hour a day. An hour a day is six weeks of your life every single year saved by just outsourcing or getting off your plate an hour. So if you had six weeks extra to focus on your business like development, on your growth, on your strategy, or on being that agile business that you want to be, could you make your business more successful? And that for me, when I when I when the penny dropped with that, it was just game changing. And um, yeah, it changed, changed the way I view my role in my business drastically. And I suppose I'm kind of summarizing it as, as I think about it, but it, it's effectively the combination of uh, systems and then delegation and then using effect, cost-effective resources, you know, which is sort of potentially the Philippines. So by using cost-effective resources, you are dropping, as you say, the bar. Like it, it, it is no longer sort of prohibitively expensive to, to employ your next people. And then by putting the right systems in place, uh, it, it gives you the pathway and, you know, it enables you to delegate, which then enables you to grow the business. Is it, is it you know, I find there's, there's different kind of businesses and different mentalities of business owners, but there are so many MSMEs, you know, very small businesses that just have one, two, three, four, five staff that can't really ever get beyond that. They seem to be almost economically stuck. They can't really expand because they can't afford the extra staff they're very sort of resource constrained um and so they, they just kind of exist there is is that sort of a, a sweet spot of kind of prospective company that you think can apply these things yeah i mean for us that that is the sweet spot the one that i've chosen to to really focus on the most because um i i empathize with that because of the size of our company as well and and the challenges that we've had over the years and once you get to that point, like you say, you get to a certain number of employees and to get the next employee, it's this, this big profit jump needed to be able mm. to then safely do that and you know, have job security for everybody in the company. So you can actually put people's jobs at risk by overhiring. And, or, you know, and then obviously you have to let people off. And then if you've got all the employment laws of your home country, it becomes really challenging and that's quite stressful as well. And so by, it's huge, actually, isn't it? You know, yeah. because every when you only have two employees, like every employee extra is is sort of a massive increment of of revenue. Effectively, you know, it's it's huge, Absolutely. isn't it? And um, 
yeah, so you can see why so many people kind of get stuck in this kind of stasis, I suppose. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're, we're saying about lowering the bar to entry. There's there's one thing about talking about, yes, you can look at um, overseas and, and you can definitely save huge amounts of money if you do do that. Um, but even if you weren't comfortable doing that, the fact is you can lower the bar to entry to the, the experience acquired because you can hire people purely on attitude and um, and aptitude and values and not on skill because you know that you can train them up really quickly and easily without it taking over your time and your key moments of staff. And therefore, replacing people becomes much not only cheaper because you can get someone at entry level who's just you know motivated and enthusiastic and full of energy rather than getting somebody you know, five years in who's going to um, going to um, ask for a lot more money. Um, but also it means because because you're not requiring specialist skills to do quite specific and specialist roles, then you open up the job market massively. So the competition is far less. So again, it makes it not only cheaper, but far easier mm. to replace people when you need to and allows companies to quickly promote good staff and leave, you know, we were saying before, you, it, every time you promote someone, you leave a void and you've got to have that void filled without it dragging the person you promoted back into it. And you do, we do that by getting the whoever you're going to promote, they just basically focus on getting everything out of their heads using a, you know, a quick method of documentation of creating these processes and systems. And then when they move on, someone else can just step into that role with just a, a bit of over, oversight. And that allows you to get the best bang for your buck out of all of your existing employees. And then whether you choose to then get someone from the Philippines or India or whatever, or get someone from home, you're just allowing that business to grow naturally with it, but getting the absolute most value out of each of your employees. And therefore, I think for the smaller companies, it becomes viable to actually be able to grow because you've got that, that, that ability. It's fascinating, isn't it? There's also this yeah. mantra, you know, when people hire, they say, I want the best, you know, and there's this mantra that you you always need to employ the best and get the best. And um, it, it's, it's, of course, accurate, it's, it's right, but people almost want to hire the expert that will do it for them, which basically means that they forego having any systems or structures in place. And that is, it's a double-edged sword because if your entire business is reliant on getting that perfect unicorn employee that's going to take you from A to B, then it also implies that without that employee, you're not going to get from A to B, whereas you're a far more uh, resilient strong company if you have the systems and processes in place that will get you from a to b and you only need an average employee that can that can uh, fulfill those activities it's it's interesting isn't it in that you know if if you and it is a bit like the e-myth i suppose or like kind of the mcdonald's model where if you have profoundly strong models and processes you can almost get anyone in to run those and you will be successful. It's it's almost the antithesis of kind of common uh, mantra, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. No, you've, I couldn't say it better myself. So, yeah, I to totally agree with you, Derek. It's fascinating. And so, Steve, what uh, we kind of wrap up, but what would you see as some of the, the core kind of systems and processes then that you think people should really take a look at? Um, is there any sort of, you know, are there kind of, I suppose, any quick wins or is it just generally to systemize the business sort of thing? Yeah. 
just 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 systemize the business um you know as if it was just sadly sadly it's something that you probably work on for years but yes there's definite quick wins and you know when we when we start coaching anybody doesn't matter what size of company they're what size of company they're or where they're at in the company we always say okay so you and your key individuals in your company i actually described this before very briefly but just you need to start looking at what you're actually doing with your time each day. And that's a case of actually just logging what it is you're doing, figuring out where you're spending your time and which parts of those things are recurring and taking your time over the course of a month or a year. And actually, if you can offload those by then recording yourself next time you're doing that particular piece of work, whatever it is, then that's a really quick way to get a, a uh, an exact carbon copy of what you did given to somebody without you having to spend any time thinking about it because you're just doing the work anyway and that then frees up those you know those 10 minutes here those 10 minutes there which adds up to those you know hours and weeks every year um, and so that's the, the quickest wins and, and if you're in a position where you're you've already delegated down you're just a senior manager then you just you go down a level okay so you, you apply this to your next level down or the next level down wherever that person is who's not basically just sat in a boardroom you know telling telling people what to do if you're doing stuff then actually is there a way of getting that documented so if you were to leave or that person was to leave then you wouldn't leave a big hole of knowledge in the business and then with regards to, to systems i mean it goes all the way through from we, we have our hiring systems, our onboarding systems, our training systems, our management systems, our appraisal systems. So all of that staff management stuff is what we believe is the difference between just going and finding a you know an assistant or a new member of staff and then coming in and hopefully they stick around to you finding somebody who's a, you attract the right type of people and then you nurture them through and they come into the company no matter what size you are thinking, wow, I want to work here because these guys have got their head screwed on. And then you manage them effectively through having a systemized process of management and so when it comes to the delegation part the battles half the battles won and now you're talking about how you delegate delegate and, and manage sort of either workflows or process pipelines or whatever but if you can get the people on your side so you're not fighting against that aspect of it then the rest of it comes so much easier so we spend a lot of time focusing on that and Steve, we since we are an outsourcing show, we better talk about that part of it. But um, how, what is your conversation like then in terms of introducing the concept of global staffing, offshore staffing, virtual assistance? What does that kind of conversation go like, and and how is it often received? Are people generally aware of this thing now of globalized employment, or is it or is it still a bit of a surprise to most people? Um. I think a lot of people are aware. I definitely in my circles. I mean, if they if they've found the systems and outsourcing group, on the whole, they 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 generally have some idea of it. But I go into you know do talks and things, uh, many property events online or otherwise, and a lot of people haven't even delved into this world. And there's a big fear about um, loss of control, about data security. Um, about can you really you know manage somebody you never meet can you possibly build rapport with that person and, and I had all those same fears and I felt exactly the same way and it took me after reading Tim Ferriss it took me months to pluck up the courage to actually hire my first right work and they, they lived in in uh, the UK so it wasn't really uh, a massively remote um, remote worker so to speak um, but I think that what I've learned over over the years is actually that when you and you know, I keep on going back to systems, but when you've got good systems, it allows people to perform brilliantly and that trust rapidly 
just develops because the, the, the trust element really comes from both sides. But if, if, if they can trust in you to be able to actually, you know, give them meaningful work and actually them, for you to make sense and then to be able to be cl- them clear about what it is you want from them. And that's a big challenge. I see a lot of business owners have when they are delegating work, but, and then also giving them clear guidance on how to do it and they can perform and get it done. And it makes their, you know, them feel um, successful in their, in their, in their work and they actually enjoy working. And so, so yeah, um, it's just, uh, so, so having those sort of um, things in place just allows um, that all to happen. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And I think it's it's something that people need to experience. You just need to start and then you understand it. You know, you understand how it all works. You understand that it is viable. You understand that there's not actually that much kind of friction or hardship. And you understand that they're trustworthy and you start to see them as sort of real people as opposed to this kind of, you know, ethereal concept. Uh, and it's just really getting people over that over that line, isn't it? Because then it opens up, you know, I suppose it's similar to delegation and systems. Like once you realize actually once they're in place and you see the value of them, it, it's, there's no going back, is there? Yeah, totally. I mean, one of the things I, I always try to get people to avoid is using this term virtual assistant because mm-hmm. it's a bit like so just saying, I'm going to hire a staff. You know, you probably wouldn't say that you're going to say, I'm going to hire a whatever you put a role in front of that name, you know? And I think that this, 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 carte blanche of you know or this tarnishing ev- or everyone in the world who happens to work remotely as a virtual assistant is is really limits your belief in what somebody can do and that can really hold your company back whereas if you allow people to 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 shine through and actually you know if you look at some of the cvs or speak to people that are working remotely i mean of course they're just they're just people that just happen to live in another country. So mm. they have the same education, the same job experiences. They have the same, you know, talent for things. They have the same passions. You know, it's just people. And then, so that's a lot of stuff I work on in the early days with people. And so in the, in the taster sessions I do is about getting people to understand that you're just hiring somebody that just happened to not live in, you know, or come to the office with you. And so, so when you open that mind so get rid of that barrier, that mindset, and people start actually realizing the potential of actually working with with, with remote workers. And and one of the things, the, the knock on effects of this is, once you start working with remote workers, you suddenly realize that the majority of business can be run, run run remotely, or a lot of it, depending on the type of business, of course. But huge amounts of business, uh, your business can run run remotely. And then you start thinking, hold on a minute do I need to be in the office? Mm. And it starts opening all these, these new questions. And you think, well, could I go and live in a different country? And, you know, I never thought it was possible. I was in property. They're pretty fixed, <laughs> but I've managed to do it. And, you know, it's just about having this mindset and about actually just expanding what you, what you think of your role is in your business. And, um, and I think this venturing into the world of, of using remote workers, whether it's like my first taster was in just down in, well, it was in Northern Ireland. So not, not that far away from where I was in, in Manchester, but, just opening up that that concept has just changed my my world. So I highly recommend that people just just give it a go. And you know, the great thing is it's not got the high risk of employment because you typically hire people on a contractual basis, and they'll be freelancers or self-employed. And you'll hire them for a you can just a few hours a week, you know, and then build it up from there. That's what I did, and that's what most of our clients do. Um, and now I've got you know a team working full time from all over the world in, in uh, four different countries. But that took time to get to that point. 
Yeah. It's so refreshing you take that position on on the virtual assistants. Like, you know, there's some people that boast that they've got 50 virtual assistants, you know, and it's like they're talking about the purple Oompa Loompas from Charlie's yeah. Chocolate Factory. You know, and it's like you probably don't. You probably have five people in marketing, five people in sales, some people in accounts, you know, and it's like it, it is strange how people sort of, clump them all together you know whereas any other sort of standard organization you have a hierarchy you have different roles you have different skills so it's yeah it's certainly refreshing to, to see you're aligned on that see yeah absolutely and it's something that i i harp on about a lot and have my little rants about that on my uh, facebook group from time to time because it's yeah. so important it's and as i said before it's so limiting to have to, to have that belief that that thought about what a remote worker is or what a virtual assistant is so i really try to stop people from using that because it pigeonholes um, their staff before they've even stepped through the door. And it actually limits the staff's beliefs as well because we've had people come in and and, and we spend a lot of time developing our, our staff because they come in as a virtual assistant and they, they almost have this expectation they're just going to be an assistant and be told what to do. Mm. And we don't want yeah. people in our company that are told what to do. We want people to think and develop and become better people and, you know, do training. And we, 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 treat our staff wherever they are in the world in the same way and give them the same opportunities for development. And just doing that is just honestly, the appreciation from uh, from some of these people is massive because most companies don't. And it's that simple. It's night and day. So if you do that as an employer, you will stand out and people will love you for it. And it's it's just so naive as well, you know. Like again, thinking they're sort of these purple umpalumpas. Like there's 110 million people in the Philippines, and you know there's Ivy League colleges, and there's doctors and lawyers, and you know the best developers and animators and filmmakers, and you know there's every sort of profession and career and skill in the Philippines, and and a hell of a lot of people doing it. So it it just limits the industry if if people think that they're that they're just this sort of task uh, doer but yeah no fascinating so steve i recommend everyone uh reach out to you and look for ways that they can sort of better systemize their business and of course uh take take it offshore as well um if uh what do you recommend steve how can people learn about what you do and and uh, uh reach out yeah, well, as, as we're on a podcast, um, people probably listen to podcasts. So we systemize your success is my own podcast. That's a weekly podcast at the moment. And then also my website, which is systemsandoutsourcing.com. And we also have a Facebook group, which is system, uh, Systems and Outsourcing Community. So any of those are the best ways to get hold of me. And we'll put a, um, a link in the show notes, I think, Derek, you're saying, with a, with a link to a a. Uh, a not download it's a mini course about actually how we do this delegation that i talked about using video effectively quickly so if you're interested in learning that technique then uh, we'll get that in the show notes but i can give you that address if you want very quickly which is yeah, bit.ly so it's bit.ly forward slash sys hyphen double oh six so it's sys hyphen zero zero six it looks easy. It sounds sounds hard when you say it, but all of that will be yeah. in the in the show notes, Steve. So it was a bad cho- it was a bad choice of link actually in hindsight, but there you go. Well, I mean, it looks <laughs> yeah. good when you see it visually, but it, it, it's harder to say, of course, isn't it? But thank you so much, Steve. I, again, I encourage everyone to you know start to build processes and, and start offshoring. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Cheers, Derek. It's been a pleasure. 
That was Dr. Steve Day of Systems and Outsourcing. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to send us an email, just drop us a line at ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.